I'm sure a passage that is familiar to all of you is Isaiah chapter 53, concerning the suffering servant. For many of you, it may be a, even a favorite. <laughs> Listen carefully as we read from this wonderful text and prophecy about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, starting with verse 1, we'll read the full chapter. Who has believed and who has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. But oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich man in his death, although he didn't, he did, he had not, he had done no evidence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. 
yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Now over to our text this morning as we continue on in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. Excuse me, 20, Mark eight twenty-seven. excuse me, through 33. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we open up our own hearts this morning to the words of our Savior let each of us respond. Are our hearts set upon the things of man? Or are our hearts set upon the things of God? O oh Lord, by thy spirit, lead us in this text lead us by the very words of Christ to set us as those who are on the side of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Why are the disciples to keep silent? about the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Is this not the gospel of the evangelist Mark? Aren't the disciples who will become apostles supposed to proclaim to the world the gospel of God, the good news? Surely we are not supposed to keep the gospel a secret, or are we? Why all this secrecy? In fact, all through the gospel so far, Jesus has been telling many of those whom he has assisted by miracle to keep it a secret, to tell no one. So far, I have chosen not 
to address this issue in Mark's gospel, even though biblical scholars point out that this is one of the dominant themes that appears in this particular gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, our failure to address this subject must now cease. It seems strange at this point to tell the disciples to be silent there in verse 30. After all, one of the disciples has finally, finally confessed the identity of Jesus. He's the Christ. So why not tell the world? <laughs> the gospel is evangelistic at its core. Why would Jesus want his followers to be silent? Does Jesus not want them? Does Jesus not want us to tell others about his wonderful salvation and benefits? What is going on here? Well, as we begin to address the issue of secrecy, demanded by our Lord after Peter's confession, let us be reminded of a few points we made in our previous message. We noted that chapter 8, verses 27 through 33 is not only the climax of Mark's first section of his gospel, that first section from chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 8, verse 26. But it also propels us in a new direction that will be the focus for the rest of the gospel. After noting that Peter's confession is the climax of this section, we began to note some key elements in which Mark takes us in a new direction. First, we noted that Mark will focus more directly from now on to the end of his gospel upon the relationship between Jesus and his disciples in the area of teaching and discipling. Second, we noted that Mark's use of the term the way, the road, as geographically descriptive of this new direction Mark has been taking Jesus' path in ministry through the wilderness, both literally and figuratively, until they reach an idyllic green landscape in Caesarea Philippi, the residence of our text. A region in Roman Gentile country, as Jesus and his disciples are about to make their way to Jerusalem. Now do not miss this. Part of the reason for Jesus' secrecy is their destination. Look closely at the text. Jesus does not make any mention of the exact destination is Jerusalem. Mark does not specifically mention Jerusalem as their destination until chapter 10 verse 32, 
And Jesus does not mention that Jerusalem is the destination until chapter 10, verse 33. So part of the reason that Jesus wants his identity to be a secret is because that specific destination would cause congestion from the crowds and unnecessary inquiries about going to Jerusalem at this time. But this is a minor issue. This is a minor issue compared to what Jesus sees as his present task with respect to his own disciples. Specifically, Jesus' non-disclosure about Jerusalem is interwoven with Jesus' own concentration to teach and to disciple his chosen 12 followers. Notice carefully verse 31 of our text. And he began to teach them. He began to teach them. The phrase began to teach is crucial as to why Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one that he is the Christ, the Messiah. The phrase began to teach means that Jesus is taking the first step of teaching the disciples about what the future, what the future belongs for Jesus. What Jesus is about to teach his disciples has not been mentioned previously to them. Indeed, Jesus is taking the first steps of revealing his own future action in his own future pathway. The disciples have seen him heal the sick, cast out demons, teach and preach the kingdom of God, restore the dead, recover hearing, speech, sight, so can show control over nature, feed thousands to their satisfaction. But they have not yet heard the most crucial words about Jesus's mission and purpose that are about to flow from Jesus's lips. What the disciples have not heard is absolutely fundamental to the reason of Jesus' strict charge of silence. It denotes the new direction of Mark's final section of his gospel. Let the suspense end. <laughs> what is the new focus of Jesus' teaching and discipling of those chosen 12 followers. Are you ready? Are you ready? Jesus is about to unmask the messianic secret, the purpose of his ministry and entrance into history. The way to Jerusalem will be Jesus's 
classroom for his disciples in which they will have to learn about the radical new meaning of Jesus and his kingdom. How about you who are here this morning? Are you willing yourself to sit with the disciples in Jesus' classroom for the rest of the gospel and learn from Jesus? Don't forget Jesus' warning. Watch out for the leaven that can infect your view of Jesus and his kingdom. Here it is, the messianic secret, the religious and supernatural core of Jesus' kingdom and ministry that the disciples have never heard before. The Son of Man must suffer. must suffer. There's no possibility that he will not. Be rejected by the Jewish establishment. Be killed. After three days, rise again. Underline, underline verse 31. The disciples have never heard this before from the lips of Jesus. Oh, congregation, I plead with you to grasp the importance of this to nourish your own soul only with the leaven of Christ's gospel and not with the leaven of the Pharisees or Herod or the things of men. Note that Jesus opens with his self-conscious, self-conscious identification of the prophetic title of the Son of Man. Did you see that? The title is a prophetic reference to the coming of the Messiah. In terms of the context here, most scholars are united that Jesus' reference here is broader than just the Daniel passage in Daniel 7, 13 through 14. The Daniel passage focuses more on the exaltation and glorification of the Son of Man, as well as his coming in judgment. The Daniel prophecy does not focus upon his humiliation, that is, his suffering unto death, which is clearly Jesus' focus in this particular text. For this reason, Jesus is implicitly expanding his teaching to the disciples to incorporate, it, to incorporate the suffering servant 
messianic theme from Isaiah 53 into his title, the Son of Man. That's why we read from Isaiah 53 this morning. Jesus has not introduced or taught the disciples about his identity taking on the fulfillment of the suffering servant. Specifically, Jesus has not taught his disciples up until this point anything, anything about his atoning sacrifice for his people. The present movement to Jerusalem is a movement to Christ's redemption in his death and his resurrection. The reason for the strict charge of secrecy about telling no one that Jesus is the Christ is because the disciples really have no understanding at this point of the true mission, destination, and meaning of Jesus Christ the Son of Man as Messiah. From Jesus' perspective and their privileged position of being his follower, they cannot speak of Jesus as the Christ if they do not comprehend the true mission and meaning of the Messiah coming to the earth. Their failure to comprehend will not become clear in our present text. And furthermore, Jesus will have to repeat it a few more times as they make their way to Jerusalem because it is not connecting in their minds and in their hearts. He will have to spell it out once again. Mark 9, 30 through 32 Mark 10, 32 through 34. So why is it not computing? Why are the disciples not getting this? Although Old Testament revelation had outlined the path of the Messiah, probably no one anticipated the precise framework which Jesus places before the disciples here in our text. The Son of Man must suffer, be rejected by the Jewish establishment, be killed after three days, rise again. To repeat the Son of Man is not portrayed as the glorified Son found in Daniel, who has all dominion. Rather, it is determined that he must suffer. His path to kingship is suffering and pain. He is not going to be received with open arms by the Jewish establishment, the elders, the chief priests, notice the plural, which means probably even the former chief priests will be present, 
as well as the scribes, the religious establishment would have been thought, would have thought of at this time as waiting for the Messiah, anxious for the Messiah to arrive for their generation. This would be thinking they are waiting for this Messiah to come. And yet Jesus will be rejected, viewed as unfit and unworthy by the Jewish Sanhedrin, which is the name of the collection of the Jewish leaders given in this text. The Sanhedrin, the Greek text points out clearly, the Sanhedrin will intentionally kill Jesus, the Messiah. How many Israelites had this picture in their mind? That is that the Messiah would come and die in the hands of Jewish leaders. How many of the disciples had this picture in their minds? Mark is telling you that none of the disciples had that in their mind when Jesus arrived. None. They need the patient teaching and instruction of Jesus. And after he is killed by the Sanhedrin, how many Israelites how many disciples can comprehend at this point that Jesus will rise from the dead? What is the meaning of this path, the pattern to Jesus' finale on earth? Furthermore, what has also gotten in the way of understanding is decades, centuries among the Jews of a wide range of viewpoints derived from Old Testament revelation about the hope of Israel's glorious end. Mixed, here go with the leaven, mixed sadly with a popular national, cultural, civil, political, and spiritual view of liberation. Congregation, are you grasping the weight that the Holy Spirit is conveying through his servant Mark? Please, I plead with you again and again, our Messiah Christ's mission identity and eternal kingdom has absolutely nothing, nothing to do with a popular, national, cultural, civil, political, and spiritual liberation of Israel. Let us once again drive the application close to home 
If you view your Christianity, if you view your Christianity through the lens of being politically conservative Christian or a politically independent Christian or a political liberal Christian that incorporates your identity of Christ to be strongly wrapped up with your view of national, cultural, civil, political, and spiritual liberation of America, then you do not understand the Christ that the Holy Spirit is teaching you from the pen of Mark. The point is driven home with eyes who will see the precise geographical location of Jesus's explanation right here in the text. We are where? Where is the setting of this text? Caesarea Philippi. This location is in providing incredible insight into the political contrast between the Roman Empire and the kingdom of God. The political aspirations of the Roman Empire and her rulers is to have the most power upon the earth. In absolute contrast, Jesus and his kingdom has no political aspirations on earth. None. Contrary to human popular cravings, Jesus will rule. He's going to rule. He's going to have dominion. But he rules and has dominion by being rejected by the Jewish establishment and being executed by Rome and being raised from the dead. Foolishness. Foolishness to the Roman and a stumbling block to the Jew. Hence Jesus will reign and does reign and have dominion from his throne over all things in heaven. Yes, indeed, in this section of Mark's gospel, Jesus, please listen to this. From now to the end of this gospel, in terms of what Jesus has stated concerning his mission, this may resonate with you clearly. Jesus' training, his school, is essentially deprogramming his disciples from the Jewish cultic view of the Messiah's kingdom in Jesus' day. I hope you heard that. 
these disciples, the reason this has to be a secret is because he's got to deprogram them. If you think I'm being too harsh (laughs) in my characterization of the disciples in the Jews at the time of Jesus, I challenge you to carefully look at the text. What is the response to Jesus' succinct summary of his precise path to his reception? by the religious establishment of Israel. What does Peter do? (laughs) Peter, the text points out, verse 32, takes him aside and rebukes him. This word here in the Greek is strongly disapproves of that this is the way you're going to go. Peter strongly disapproves of this path. Christ suffer, be rejected by the Jewish establishment, die, be killed, and resurrection from the dead. Grasp fully in your heart the powerful response of Jesus to his disciples in Peter. Notice the text in verse 33. But turning and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter. Stop here. Carefully note the term in the text, turning. It is the same Greek word used for repent, to turn back change direction. Jesus is turning, looking at the disciples, is a look that is pleading. Even here there's grace. He is pleading for their repentance. And specifically, Jesus admonishes Peter with a strong disapproval in the same manner. Peter rebuked him. Why? Because in Peter, as well as in the minds of the disciples, the path outlined by Christ does not fit into their understanding of the Messiah and his kingdom. Their view of the Messiah does not include an atoning sacrifice for sin and a victory over death by resurrection. Christ, Peter's view, excuse me, of the Messiah does not include humiliation unto suffering and dying in order to secure victory over sin and evil by means of death and resurrection, which leads to the glorious exaltation of the Son of Man's salvation for the elect and judgment upon the world of unbelief. 
Peter's rebuke of Jesus is a tool of Satan. His rebuke is a characteristic of the unregenerate. Jesus' rebuke of Peter is pressing upon him the need to repent. Get behind me. The meaning here is this. Get out of my sight. Return to your rank as a disciple and follower. And don't speak on behalf of Satan who wants the salvation, that path of salvation, stopped immediately. Yes, Peter's mind is presently set upon the things of men, free of any accountability and conviction for sin and the need of messianic redemption for sin. It now should be clear to you why Jesus continually tells people whom he has helped to keep it a secret. Especially as it hits a climax with Peter's confession that he is the Christ. It is because at this point in the ministry of Jesus, no one understands. No one understands the depth No one has a clue about the path which Jesus takes to fulfill his messianic identity set by his gracious heavenly father since before the creation for his people. Specifically, the disciples will be specially taught so mercifully, so graciously, so patiently. They will be specially taught and trained as to what the mission and meaning of Jesus and his kingdom is truly about. In fact, the messianic secret will be lived by Jesus will have to be acted out before their own eyes for them to truly understand what it means that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of Man must suffer be rejected by the Jewish establishment, be killed after three days, rise again. I ask you, I ask you, is this the Messiah that you confess with your lips? and believe in your heart. Let's pray.
Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the coming of Christ and for his mission. Yes, the disciples did not understand that path. And we thank thee, O Lord, that in your patience our Savior took them down that path to teach and instruct them. And Lord, we ask that we in this church would also be those who submit to such wonderful instruction about our Savior for the sake of living a faithful life and being a faithful follower of Jesus. Help us not to deny this Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.